Our story today on Resurrection Sunday will center on what we might call a preview. You see, when we look at the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, the Son of Glory, certainly He demonstrated that great power. The promise that He made, I have the power to lay my life down. I have the power to take it back up again. And on Easter Sunday morning, He did that. But today we're going to look at how this played out in the life of an ordinary man about whom we know very little. Uh, his name was Lazarus, we know that. He had two sisters named Mary and Martha. He lived in Bethany. But what he did for a living, we don't know. We don't know very much of anything about him except that he was a believer and that they were greatly loved of our Lord Jesus Christ. But I can tell you this about Lazarus. He was a sinner, just like you and I, saved by the grace of God. And I hope that's true of you too. So before Jesus went to Calvary, before He died for your sins and mine, before He was buried, before He rose again, He gave this remarkable demonstration of resurrection power. John chapter 11, verse 20. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met Him, but Mary was sitting in the house. Then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that. He will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. The resurrection and the life. This amazing declaration by Jesus, along with many other incredible things that he said that day, would all be ludicrous except for what would happen in Jerusalem just a few days, at most a few weeks later. And so this morning, we're going to spend a bit of time noticing how this plays out and considering these incredible truths that he gave us. John begins a story of how uh, Jesus got the word about Lazarus' his sickness in verse 3 of John chapter 11. Therefore the sisters went to him, saying, Lord, behold, sent to him rather, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. And when Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death. But for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Many have noted that apparent contradiction. Jesus loved Lazarus and Mary and Martha, so he stayed. He loved her, loved him. But he didn't go. Now we know because of the chronology that the Scripture gives us that because Lazarus had been dead for four days and Jesus waited two days before he made the trip, we know that Lazarus died the very day 
that Mary and Martha sent the messengers to Jesus. It is entirely possible, although we can't say for sure, that by the time Jesus got the word, Lazarus was already dead. But what we do know is what Jesus said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. Now, obviously, we can look in this passage and understand that God doesn't view our physical death through the same lenses that we see it. We know that because of one simple passage. Psalm 116 and verse 15 said, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. Precious. I want to remind you that the word saint in Scripture does not refer to some super holy, spiritual, miracle working person who's been venerated by an official act of a religious body. That does not make you a saint. What makes you a saint is believing on the Lord Jesus Christ so that you're born again. Ever born again, blood-bought child of God is a saint of God. What makes you that? Your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So what he is saying when he says precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints is that God sees the death of his people and said, this is precious, precious. We don't see death that way, but God does. Why? Because his children are coming home. That's why. Their time of suffering, he knows, is over. Their time of sorrow and struggle, those things are over. And now, his saints, his children are coming home precious, precious. In the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. So Jesus waited. One day, two days. On the fourth day then, he came on the scene in Bethany so that Lazarus at this time had been dead for four days. When he arrived, Martha went out to meet him, saw him coming, went to meet him. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house, and Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know whatever you ask of God, God will give you. We need to linger just for a moment this morning on the faith of Martha in this verse. She expressed full confidence that Jesus could have prevented Lazarus' death. That Jesus could have healed him. Furthermore, even though Jesus didn't heal Jesus, she would still say that she believes that God will give him whatever he asks. So she hasn't stopped believing that Jesus is the healer, that Jesus has the power of God, that Jesus is capable of healing. Just because he didn't do what she wanted him to do didn't mean that she had stopped believing. That's a great point for us today. A lot of times that God is not going to move the way you think he should. That doesn't mean he stopped being God. Doesn't mean that he's not still powerful and mostly it doesn't mean that he doesn't still love you. He does. He does. So Jesus responded to her then in verse 23 and said to her, and I have to think he's kind of grinning at this point. (laughs) I have to think that. Your brother will rise again. Your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that. I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus saith unto her, I am the resurrection and life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? 
What an amazing interchange. Your brother will rise again. I know that. Martha's feelings you see at that moment in time are the exact same feelings that we have. I've looked into the face of who knows how many grieving families and said to them, your loved one is going to rise again. And their response is just like hers. I know. I know. But you see, knowing that doesn't take the pain away. It doesn't take the sorrow away. It doesn't take the horrible feelings of parting away from us. I know that. But it still hurts. That was Martha. It was there then that Jesus spoke the words that are the title of today's message. I am the resurrection and the life. Though he may die, yet he will live. And if you live and believe in me, you will never die. Look at what Martha knew. She knew that God would do whatever Jesus asked. She knew her brother would rise again. And she knew this. She said, I believe that you are the Christ, verse 27, the Son of God who is to come into the world. She knew who Jesus was. She knew what Jesus could do and she knew what Jesus would do. We would say this morning her faith, her understanding then was rock solid on who Jesus is. We call that Christology in a theological way. She had her feelings about who Jesus was or her knowledge of who Jesus was. That was rock solid, bedrock solid. She said, I also know then that Uh, My brother will rise again at the last day. And she brings up in the last day. Theologically, we call that eschatology. And she was rock solid there. She knew that Jesus was going to come. She knew that the dead were going to rise again. She knew who Jesus was, what he could do, and what he was going to do. Her Christology was perfect, solid. She had her eschatology perfect. She knew that Jesus was coming and the dead would rise. All of that was right. She was still struggling. You see, believing in Jesus wasn't all she needed. And I want to say to you today that it's easier to believe God for the sweet by and by than it is to believe God for the even now. And that's what she said, yet even now. Even now. Earlier in the narrative, Jesus had made another amazing statement to his disciples in John chapter 11, verse 11. He said, these things he said, and after that he said to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. And the disciples said, well, that's good, you know, he's he's napping. Uh, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death. But they thought that he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. And Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. You see, Jesus didn't say Lazarus is dead and I'm glad. He said Lazarus is dead and I'm glad I wasn't there to keep him from dying. There was something about Lazarus four days dead and then raised back to life that the disciples needed to see. And I believe we still need to see it today. Because you see, Jesus isn't just the resurrection at the end of the age. He isn't just about getting us to heaven when we die. 
Jesus isn't just about eternal life. Jesus is the resurrection, he said, and the life. And that means that he is the life right now. And that's what he went on to say in John chapter 11 and verse 26. Whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. You see, those two statements that he made refers to both sides of Jesus' promise to us. He speaks of those who believe, and yet they may die. But he said, they'll live again. And then he spoke to those who li- speaks to those who live and believe. And he said, you know, they'll never die. Years later, Paul would expound on that same truth to the church at Thessalonica when he said that the dead in Christ shall rise first, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. There are some, some of God's children who will have the glorious experience. They'll go to heaven without dying. They're not going to die. I want to be one of those. Anybody else here today? If we have our choice, I promise you, and we don't have our choice, but if we had our choice, we would all choose uh, not to ever have to use that insurance policy we've paid so much for for a burial. <laughs> Just donate it to them. Y'all can have it. You can use it. It ain't going to do you no good, but you can have it. I'll... That's another sermon for another day. But Jesus could say that. He, he equates then this to both sides of that issue. Lazarus is obviously may die. He that believes may die. But if he does, he'll rise again. And those who live then will never die. Because they'll go out in that glorious time when Jesus calls his children. And like that, changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. But there's more to it than that. It's living and believing. See, the tragic truth this morning is that there's a world full of people and many of them in our own city and maybe some of you sitting here or watching from home. There's a world full of people today who are just living. They're not living and believing. They're just living. They're going through the motions of life. They get up every day, they work, they eat, they drive, they sleep, they come home and do laundry. And then they get up the next day, they work, and they eat, and they drive, and they sleep, and they come home and do laundry. I mean, they're living. They're alive. They say the only two things in life that are certain is death and taxes. What happened to laundry? There's got to be at least three. (laughs) You see, a lot of people just live. They don't live and believe. I'm here to tell you, living and believing makes all the difference. When we live and believe, then it's not just uh, trying to seize all that we can. And we can say carpe diem all we want to. Seize the day, but we never seize the day. We don't even get to handle them lightly. They move too quickly. But life goes to a whole different dimension when it goes to this level, whoever lives and believes in me. Jesus had healed before. He had fed multitudes, walked on water, even raised the dead before. Right in this very context, they will say, you know, he gave sight to the blind. Couldn't he have saved his friend? And the answer, of course, is yes. And it still is. But Jesus was glad that he wasn't there to heal Lazarus so that he could give this preview to his disciples, and that includes us. 
so that they would see that Jesus would not only have the power to overcome his own death, but even, even with this one who had been dead so long, yet he too could be raised back to life. See, the shadow of death looms so large in our life. It's so difficult to believe that he can incorporate his victory into our lives so that we too never die. The writer of the book of Hebrews would say this in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. This passage tells us that Jesus took on the same flesh and blood that we have except without sin, of course. He did that so he could die. So that in dying then he would destroy the devil who had the power of death. That did not mean that the devil had the power to kill at will. If he did, there'd be no humanity alive. What he means is that the devil by sin had brought death on to humanity and then used the fear of death to fuel a ruthless reign of sin. It is the fear of death that pushes us and pulls us to demand that we enjoy everything that life has to offer, to enjoy all the pleasures that are available to us, that pulls us inevitably because of the realm of, of, of death that is in the world today, pulling us in inevitably toward those things that are not just pleasurable, but that are also painful, that are not just uh, enjoyable, but that are also bringing us into bondage. That's the deceitfulness of sin that the Bible warns us about. And there in it all is the fear of death. If there's anything the last couple of years has done for us, it's shown us that people are terrified of dying. Even God's people. And I'm not advocating for reckless living. That's not what this passage is teaching us. It's not teaching us to take foolish risks or live a daredevil life. That's not what it's all about. It is instead to live a life full of confident expectation that comes from knowing that when we are passing through the very shadow of death, we don't have to fear evil because the Lord Jesus Christ is with us. And He has promised us the victory. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. To wrap this up then this morning, I want to pick up one more passage from the narrative. Verse 39. Jesus said, Take you away the stone. Take away stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh. For he hath been dead four days. And Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone. From the place where the dead was laid, 
And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. I'm afraid sometimes we rush through this part of the narrative without seeing what actually happens. Jesus gave them a specific command. A lot of other things happened there I didn't have time to touch on this morning. You can go home and read John 11. It's a wonderful story. But Jesus gave them a specific command. Move the stone. It's the same guy who walked on water. Don't you think he could have moved the stone himself? He would a few days later, amen. <laughs> I mean, uh, moving the stone, not a problem to Jesus. He could, but he didn't. He told them, go move the stone. And what did they say? They objected. They said, no, we don't. Lord, he, by now he stinks. He's been dead four days. She did not want to do what Jesus asked her to do. But Jesus reminded her, didn't I tell you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God? So what they do? They rolled the stone away. They rolled the stone away. You see, that's, that's the key, really, to this whole story, to how it plays out that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. How we see, then, that Jesus is going to reveal the glory of God, not in somebody else's life or somebody else's situation, or not someday in the sweet by and by. Yeah, someday I know it'll be great. But what about now? What about even now? What about the circumstances that I'm in right now? Do we want to see the glory of God in our life? Do we want to see the glory of God in our situation? Not just something we could talk about. Well, yeah, boy, Lazarus and, and, and Mary and Martha, they've really got to see the glory of God. But what about our situation? What about our hopelessness? What about our hurts and heartaches? What about our sorrow? What about our moments when our dreams have died? What about when we've lost a loved one? What about us? What about us in our now? Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. First of all, this morning, and I'm just going to speak these to you, we'll be done. If we want to see the glory of God in our lives, we're going to have to stop living by experiences and instead live by promises. What did Jesus tell them? Didn't I promise you? Didn't I tell you that if you'd believe, you'd see the glory of God. Nothing in their experience would have prepared them for what God was going to do. And you know what? That is almost always the case in your life and mine. If we determine then that what God is going to do in our life or how God is going to work in our life is just on what we can experience and what we have experience with, we're going to run out of experience really quickly. But God is greater than that. And sometimes it might not make any sense to us, but I want you to know that the promises of God are true even when they don't make sense to us at all. Are we going to say then, yeah, I'm going to live by those promises. That's how we see the glory of God. 
Secondly, if we want to see the glory of God in our life, we're going to have to stop living not just by experiences, but also by our feelings. Because our heart, our emotions, our feelings may pull us in a lot of directions, but it seldom pulls us toward the glory of God. Uh, That's a realm of faith. And in order to get into that realm, we're going to have to live by obedience. And that's what Jesus put on display when he told them to roll the stone away. You see, this is what it brings us to this morning. And the issue that I want to put before you, do you want to see the glory of God in your life? Now i got a question. Do you believe God enough to roll the stone away? And you're going to say then just exactly what Martha said so long ago. Lord, I've got this stone on this because it stinks behind there. I've got this thing buried. I've got it covered up. I put a stone on top of it. It's down deep. Nobody can see it. Nobody knows it's there. If I open this up, God, you don't know what a mess is inside. It stinks in there. Can we open the stone then on our marriage and say, you know what? We're really stinky right now, Lord. Can we open it up on our family, on our kids and say, Lord, you know, this is really just a big old nasty mess. You don't want me to open this up. If I open this up, it's going to be really bad. You don't know, Lord, how stinky my lifestyle is. I've got to ask you today, do you believe God enough to move the stone? Do we believe God to know enough to know that He already knows what's going on in there anyway? If you do, if you do, then you'll see the glory of God. See, in a very real way, moving that stone is about saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. The Bible tells us if we're a believer in Christ, we're saved. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do we believe God enough to open the tomb, to open ourselves up to Him? To tell Him the truth. To confess it. To speak it. No matter how messy, no matter how stinky, will we bring it to Jesus? Our choir is going to have a presentation for us, but before we do that, I'd like Miss Judy to start playing for us. Miss Judy, if you will, I want us to think for just a moment about what all we've heard today and what we've seen. Jesus put this in. Working man's clothes and working man's terms. Lazarus died. You say, well, you know, if Jesus would have gone there and healed him, hey, Jesus didn't have to go there to heal him. There's a whole other occasion, a whole other story. Where there was somebody dying and Jesus just spoke the word, turned around. He could have done it. He could do that in your life too could. Doesn't always, but he could. God sees things from a perspective that we don't see.
because he sees that a lot of times if everything was just going right and everything was hunky-dory and everything was going good, we'd forget all about him, never turn to him. Sometimes those things come. So we'd see the glory of God and he could get us to that point where he'd say, Will you roll the stone away? Bring all that ugly, all that stinky, bring it to me. You know how the story ends. Oh, Lazarus bound hand and head and, head and foot all the way, wrapped up like a mummy. He didn't walk out of that tomb. You know how he got out of the tomb? He hopped. One of my favorite lines in Scripture. I can't leave here today without saying it. Jesus said, loose him and let him go. Got a whole other sermon I could preach today. I'm not. Jesus didn't move the stone. And he didn't take off the grave clothes. He had other people then to move the stone. He had other people then to help him. (laughs) Isn't that a great picture the Christian life? You think everybody's going to hate you. Oh, I can't roll the stone away. Man, if they found out how stinky I am. Oh, no. No, listen, listen. We love you. And this church is here to help you. And we'd love to help you know more about Jesus Christ. You think, well, everybody around here is great folks. Hey, I've been pastor here seven years, and I guarantee you all of us think just a little bit sometimes. We all do. Might just be an attitude. We've all got it got to quit. Are you ready to roll the stone away?